0: This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, October 12, 2023. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include a look at Apple's latest security updates for Mac OS, iOS, and iPad OS. Meanwhile, a serious vulnerability with the curl command line tool is waiting for a patch from Apple. DragonEgg is new Android spyware that has a surprising connection to similar iOS surveillanceware. And Google now requires passkeys by default when users sign into their Google accounts, and that's a big step forward. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Indigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long.
1: Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. You were not far from me last week, weren't you? You went to a conference in London. Yeah, this was actually my first time in the UK. I was giving a
2: presentation at Virus Bulletin in London last week, and it was pretty good. It was a lot of fun, a good conference. This is my second year in a row going to Virus Bulletin. The year before that, it was in Prague, and then this year was in London, so pretty cool.
1: A lot of these conferences change venues each year. Some of them, like RSA, is in Las Vegas every year, right? But several of them change venues every year, which makes it easier for people in different countries to attend them. Right.
2: My session was titled, Stolen Cookies, Stolen Identity, How Malware Makers Are Exploiting the Insecurity of Browser Data Storage. And I I talked about what we've discussed in the past on the show about how, first of all, there's a lot of Steeler malware, and a lot of it is grabbing cookies off of people's machines. Usually it's Chromium-based browsers that it's targeting. Some of them also target... Firefox, but we've been seeing this a a whole lot on the Mac this year. Stealer malware is just in general becoming a lot more common. And a lot of the Stealer malware, in addition to stealing cryptocurrency wallets, they're also grabbing things like cookies, which as we've talked about before on the show, allows somebody to basically break into your account and bypass any need to know your password or two-factor authentication that you may have set up. It's a limited period of time because those session cookies do expire at some point. But if somebody grabs those cookies from you, puts them on their own machine, generally, that means they can be logged in as you and post on your accounts if it's a social media type situation or potentially get access to other things that they shouldn't have access to that only you should have access to.
1: Okay, so Apple released a couple of security updates. We're recording on Wednesday, October eleventh They released some updates for iOS 16 on October 10th and for iOS 17 on October 4th. And these were some serious vulnerabilities, weren't they? Yeah, one of them was an actively exploited vulnerability, meaning that somebody
2: out there, some bad guy was using this against somebody else, right? To, to break into their device or infect their device. That one particular vulnerability was a kernel issue that affects basically all iPhones and maybe also Macs too. Apple hasn't released a patch for it yet, but typically a lot of kernel vulnerabilities and a lot of web-related vulnerabilities are cross-platform. So there were two vulnerabilities that were patched. Again, starting with iOS 17 and iPadOS 17 last week on October 4th the vulnerability description is a local attacker may be able to elevate their privileges. Apple is aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited against versions of iOS before iOS 16.6. So that's the the kernel issue. There was also a web RTC issue, but specifically there's a video codec that had a vulnerability. And so Apple was able to fix that by updating that component to a newer version. Both of these issues affect all iPhones, all iPads. And if you have not yet upgraded to iOS 17, you could get the iOS 16 patch that just came out yesterday as we're recording. But at this point, really, you should be upgrading to iOS 17 because there's a whole bunch of vulnerabilities that got patched in iOS 17 that are probably never getting patched in iOS 16. So, you might as well just upgrade to iOS 17.0.3 at this point.
1: Okay, we have a vulnerability in something that most people have never heard of. I say most people... Anyone who uses the command line or terminal certainly knows CURL, C-U-R-L. The name stands for Client for URL. It's an extremely popular tool that's nearly 30 years old, and you use it to request information from a URL. So you would put CURL and then the name of a website to get information. This is widely used in all operating systems, and there are some serious vulnerabilities that have been patched that have not yet been patched on Apple devices. Right. Curl is mostly
2: used on Unix-based operating systems, but a lot of other third-party apps on other platforms may use Curl as well. There's a Curl library that can be embedded in other apps. So Curl is very, very commonly used. So far, I've only seen this patched on one particular app that I use on my iPhone, that's called TLS inspector. It's a really geeky app, but you know, if you want to like look at information about a particular website certificate, you can use TLS inspector and they just updated their app today. The new version of curl just came out today. And so they already updated their app TLS inspector to use curl 8.4.0. Now, macOS Sonoma currently has curl 8.1.2 released back in May, May 30th. So it's an older version and there was one vulnerability that was medium severity vulnerability that was patched in mid September. That still hasn't been fixed for Mac OS. Kind of odd because, you know, why wouldn't Apple have released a patch by now? And now there's some really bigger issues because now we've got a high severity vulnerability. There's two vulnerabilities that were just patched in v- curl version 8.4. So we're just waiting on Apple now at this point hopefully Apple will release a patch for this for macOS within the next week or two. If it takes longer
1: than that, it's kind of a problem. You said that Curl is mostly used on Unix systems, but the libcurl library is used on pretty much every platform. Android, macOS, Windows, Linux, Unix, BOS, NetBSD. Open VM, I mean, there's a list on the Wikipedia page of all these operating systems, many of which are no longer used. So it's a really popular tool. And it may be used within third party apps who will call on this when they're getting information from the web. And this is why a vulnerability like this is so serious. Okay, so here we go again with the funny names for malware. Dragon Egg. We have Dragon Egg Android Spyware, which is linked somehow to Light Spy iOS Surveillanceware. I wish there was a better way of naming. I mean, I know they want to have cute names because they stand out, but They don't mean anything. Does this mean that this spyware actually lays dragon eggs on your phone and that that they hatch like in, what was it in Game of Thrones, the dragons hatched? Something like that? You know, dragon egg sounds like a video game or something, you
2: know? but Sure. But no, unfortunately, dragon egg is Android spyware. And the reason that we bring this up is, although we don't usually talk about Android malware and other things like that, what's interesting is that apparently this dragon egg Android spyware something called LightSpy, which is iOS surveillance where kind of on the same lines as Pegasus and Predator that we've talked about recently. This is malware that basically nation states use to break into people's devices, including iPhones. And so apparently this recently discovered Android spyware has ties to this. LightSpy, I don't know if we mentioned it at the time, but LightSpy came to light in March, 2020 as part of a campaign that was called Operation Poisoned News. And as part of this campaign, iPhone users in Hong Kong were apparently targeted with watering hole attacks that were used to install this light spy spyware on iPhones.
1: Watering hole. Now, you just gave us a term here that before the show, we didn't know what this was. And so I know the term honeypot And I know what catfishing is, but what's a watering hole? The question that you had for me was, what's the difference between a watering hole attack and a a
2: honeypot? Basically, the difference is, like, I think of a honeypot as something that the good guys are doing to try to catch the bad guys. And a watering hole attack is kind of the opposite of that. But there's a, a little bit more nuance to that. A watering hole attack is often where an existing site is now infected. People who are targets of these attacks might frequent a particular website. And now that site becomes infected. And those who frequently go to that site will now potentially get infected because they're visiting this hacked site or infected site.
1: Right. So they're assuming that it's a safe site and maybe they've already entered credentials to log into a site, but someone's taken over the websites like squatters taking over a website and then they can do what they want since you're trusting them. Right. So that particular LightSpy campaign
2: back in 2020 was used to infect iPhones. And so LightSpy is yet another one of these things, just like Pegasus and, and Predator that we've talked about. And there's others as well. It's good to know that there is this surveillance where this spyware that can infect iPhones. We often think iPhones are kind of impervious to malware attacks, right? Like there's no malware for iPhones. Nobody ever talks about that. But in fact, there is malware out there for iPhones. It's just usually it's like nation state installed spyware. That's the kind of thing that is more of a threat right now on
1: iPhones. So the internet has experienced the largest distributed denial of service attacks ever. I believe this was in August and September. This affected Cloudflare, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. And Google says that they had over 398 million requests per second. Now think about that, 398 million requests every second. They don't say how long this will last and we'll link to an article on Google's cloud blog where they discuss this and they explain how it works. And it's actually quite fascinating, the technique that was used for this denial of service attack.
2: Right. So they were able to exploit a zero-day vulnerability in the HTTP2 protocol. This vulnerability is dubbed HTTP/2 rapid reset and you know when you have a protocol level vulnerability it's kind of a big deal because protocols kind of have to be supported by everybody right in order for them to function properly you can't it's not like software where you just release a patch you install the new version it's got the new patch and you're just fine a protocol vulnerability is kind of a big deal because now you've got all kinds of things that need to be updated and everybody has to update them in order for it to be fixed across the board. Now, something like this, denial of service attacks have been around for a long time. Distributed denial of service attacks are where you have a whole bunch of endpoints. They might be bots. They might be computers or devices that are infected and being controlled by a, a bot master, right? Somebody, who's sending forth this army of infected devices to all issue the same type of query or command at one particular target to try to flood it with requests that are going to take it offline. And that's the whole idea generally behind a DDoS or distributed denial of service attack. And this new method was unbeknownst to all of these big companies. And so now all of a sudden within the past couple of months, August and September, they've been hit with these really big attacks. And so they're figuring out how to mitigate these attacks so so they won't be as big of a problem.
1: So this record of 398 million requests per second beats the last record in 2022 of about 46 million requests per second. So this is six times as large. It's important to point out that no one was attacking the Cloudflare website, the Google website, or the Microsoft Amazon website. What they were attacking is the elements – that these companies use to protect other websites. So Cloudflare is just a service that is between users and websites to filter traffic. Google, Microsoft, and Amazon all have cloud infrastructure that they're protecting the same way. We don't know if this DDoS was targeting individual websites, multiple websites, or just these providers In order to bring them down to access something, we have no idea why these attacks are made, and none of the companies said who the attacks were directed against.
2: One thing that I think is really worth pointing out here is that when you've got these record-setting DDoS attacks, these are not script kiddies in other words these are not kids or or small groups who have infected a bunch of devices and are just directing them all to attack a particular website if you're talking about these record scale attacks these are very likely to be nation state level attacks like some somebody with a lot of money a lot of resources is involved in these attacks that's why this kind of thing is kind of a big deal first of all they're using a zero day
1: vulnerability and there's a record number of requests okay we're going to take a break we're going to come back and talk about some more news
0: protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today intigo has been proudly protecting mac users for over 25 years and our latest mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected intigo's mac premium bundle x9 includes virus barrier the world's best mac anti-malware protection net barrier powerful inbound and outbound firewall security personal backup to keep your important files safe from ransomware and much more to help protect secure and organize your Mac best of all it's compatible with Mac OS Sonoma and the latest Apple Silicon Macs download the free trial of Mac premium bundle X9 from Intigo.com today when you're ready to buy Indigo Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.Intigo.com. That's podcast.Intigo.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Indigo Mac Podcast listeners. Intigo. world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts.
1: Okay. Apple Insider has an article explaining how Apple is bowing to China and starts enforcing App Store rules. Now, In China, you're not allowed to use certain apps, and they're very strict about what can be sold in the App Store. And for a while, Apple was saying, well, we're Apple and we'll sell what we want. But, you know, Apple doesn't have a choice. Any big company selling things in China, they do have to toe the line. China has this process that developers have to go through now. They have to
2: submit their internet content provider ICP filing whenever they're submitting new apps. Apple, in order to comply with Chinese law, they are now requiring developers who submit their apps for the app store in China to fill out this form, this filing. This went into effect in September. Apple wasn't initially complying. They were kind of trying to work this out with with the Chinese government. Now they're in compliance, apparently. So far, this only applies to new app registrations. If somebody wants to submit an app that's never been in the App Store in China, they have to apply for this approval. But the second stage of this is that existing apps also have to submit to this filing and they have until March, 2024 to do that. So what this means is that things like VPN apps and social networks and other things like that, that the Chinese government doesn't want in their country are very likely to be soon removed from the app store in China, specifically, meaning that you probably won't be able to get Facebook. You probably won't be able to get your, your VPN apps. If you currently have them installed, you might be able to keep them, but they won't get updates. That could be a problem. Now there are other ways to use a VPN. It's just tricky. iOS does have a thing built in. If you go in the settings app and go to VPN, if you scroll down to the bottom, you have an option to add VPN configuration. You can do this manually, but the problem is you have to put in a server. So that means you have to either have an IP address or a domain name. And guess what? The Great Firewall of China is very likely to be blocking those things. So you have kind of a chicken and egg and or cat and mouse kind of thing going on where you've got to... If, if you're trying to use a VPN in China you've got to try to stay ahead of the game or just comply with the law and don't use a VPN. Potentially problematic for people who want to stay off of the radar in China.
1: So we're coming up to Black Friday. In fact, as we speak, it is the second of Amazon's Prime Days in October. Do they do this every month now, Amazon Prime Days? It feels like it. But we're coming up to Black Friday and we have over the years talked about how to shop safely on Black Friday. And one of the things we've talked about is how to check to see if reviews on a site like Amazon are fake. And there's a service we recommend called FakeSpot. Firefox is testing a built-in tool to check for fake reviews using technology from FakeSpot. And this is actually, I don't use Firefox, but I can imagine that if I plan to do some Amazon shopping and they have this built-in, I might actually want to use it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Firefox is not necessarily my main browser, but it is one of the browsers that I use.
2: I like this idea. I do and I don't, because every time that they add new stuff to a browser, it just makes it more complicated. The download is going to be bigger. It's going to use more RAM. And that element of it, I don't really like. But I do like the idea of Firefox trying to be more proactive in protecting users from potential scams. This is a big issue, right? This is not like phishing sites where some website is trying to steal your login information. This is a different thing, but it's also something that a lot of people don't really know how to mitigate these kind of attacks. People trust Amazon. You trust the review process. You see, oh, this has five stars. Great. That means it's a trustworthy product. And people don't generally know
1: that This is something that can be abused and is frequently abused on sites like Amazon. It's worth pointing out that FakeSpot has extensions for Chrome and Safari, and they have iOS and Android apps. But I'm not really comfortable installing a bunch of extensions in Safari. I mean, you could turn them off when you're not using them, but that's a headache. I kind of like the idea of having a browser for something specific like this. I actually brought this up in my talk last week, the whole concept of whether it's such a good idea
2: to install extensions. One of the things that we've seen earlier this year, one of those cookie stealing malware that was actually cross platform was something that was called fake GPT. And this showed up in the Chrome Web Store where if you had searched for say chat gpt you were looking for some chat gpt related extensions for chrome you may have come across one of these sort of fake extensions that may have even had some functionality like it's possible to to have something that does what it claims to do but also has some malicious functionality fake gpt would steal Facebook cookies specifically from your browser. And so you've got to be really careful when you're installing extensions. A lot of people just install extensions trusting that Chrome Web Store is going to be giving them something legit. It's just like the same concern that we have about the App Store, where you know a lot of the stuff that, that Apple vets and, and is available in the App Store is just fine. Every so often, there's apps that slip through. There's a couple of researchers who have been finding a whole bunch of loan apps that have been scams recently. We've talked about this on the podcast. Bad stuff can get past human review. Be very careful when you're installing extensions. Use as few extensions as possible. You only use the ones that you feel you really need and can't live without. So you might have, for example, a trusted ad blocker, something that's been around for ages and it's developed by an individual who's not likely to sell his product out because that's another concern is sometimes these popular extensions get bought up by a threat actor, right? And so you've got to be really careful about these things.
1: So when that happens, does the extension become
2: a watering hole? Yeah, I guess you you could look at it like that. Yeah. It now is a problem because you've already got some existing extension that's on everybody, you know, on all these, sometimes a quarter million or more computers. And if that extension now gets automatically updated to the latest version and unbeknownst to you, that new version is developed by somebody else who's added some malicious functionality that the Google store didn't catch, you might end up with an infection on your device, all because you had an innocuous extension that now got updated and now it's malicious.
1: Okay, so while you were just talking in that last segment, I went to my Google account, I signed out and I signed in. And for the first time, Google said, we want you to sign in with a passkey. Google is making passkeys the default for personal accounts. And this started on October 10th, the day before we started recording. And we haven't talked about passkeys much recently. We did a lot about them early in the year when they started rolling out. The process is really simple. You go to sign in. Safari shows a little dialogue, says, do you want to log into your pass key? And now I'm on an iMac with a Touch ID keyboard. And it says, you know, fingerprint. Boom, it's done. So I'm signed into Google with a pass key. I no longer have a password, although there's probably a way to use the password if something breaks. And for a while, there's a lot of overlap with this. I think pass keys are here to stay if companies like Apple are supporting, if Google is requiring them. I think we're going to see them a lot more often now. We'll have a link in the show notes to an article that
2: Kirk wrote a while back about pass keys and what you should know about them. Kirk's article is titled, What are Pass Keys and How Do They Work? And by the way, from the Ars Technica article, Google describes pass keys in this way. Passkeys are a new way to sign into apps and websites. They're both easier to use and more secure than passwords, so users no longer need to rely on the names of pets, birthdays, or the infamous password 123. Of course, you should never have been using any of those things anyway in your passwords. But they say, instead, passkeys let users sign into apps and sites the same way they unlock their devices, with a fingerprint, a face scan, or a screen lock pin. And unlike passwords, passkeys are resistant to online attacks like phishing making them more secure than things like SMS one time codes so basically they're using your device and your biometrics as a way to give you access to those resources which is better than having to input a username and password which you know obviously other people can get access to if somebody keystroke logs you or other things they can get that information from you but if you're using passkeys, that's not something that can be easily stolen from you or defeated in the same way that usernames and passwords can be.
1: Okay, so here's a story, and this comes from the U.S. Justice Department. A press release entitled, Three Individuals Convicted for Laundering Money Stolen from Scam Victims Through Gift Cards. You get these calls of someone who says, there's something wrong with your computer or whatever, and it's in a noisy call center, and they've got an accent. You're trying to figure it out. At some point... If one of these people tells you to buy a gift card for Target, would you think that's normal? I mean, so this is $2.5 million worth of gift cards. I don't know if they were all for Target. And they explain that they have a team of what they call runners, and the runners get the gift card numbers, and they go to Target in one case as quickly as 13 minutes after the victim purchased the cards. They buy a lot of consumer electronics things that they can resell easily. I'm just trying to understand who would get tricked into buying a Target gift card because I don't know. They're tricked to say that they've got a virus on their computer. And in order to get rid of the virus, you've got to buy a Target gift card and give me the code. I just don't see the right. Like how, how does that happen? <laughs> I don't know, but we wanted to make sure to bring this up because I
2: know a lot of people. I have relatives even who have fallen for, you know, telephone scams. And you may not realize until you get to a certain part in the process that this is a scam, right? That somebody's actually trying to trick you. Hopefully, you've realized it by the time you get to the point where somebody's asking you to go and purchase a gift card from Amazon or Target or whatever it might be. But, you know, a lot of people don't really know and and they're concerned, maybe you know they've been told that their account is is vulnerable and they need to go through this process and for whatever reason the call center claims that they need you to pay them to move forward so they can assist you with this problem that you're experiencing, but be very careful anytime that somebody is asking for it and it's not even necessarily just gift cards. It could be other things too. There's other types of money cards and things like that. So always, always be really careful. And this should set off a red flag for you. Even if you know this and you understand this, this is a good thing to share with relatives of yours too, who might be more susceptible to these kind of scams, who may not be as tech savvy as
1: you are. If you're an Apple user and you ever have Apple support and they ever ask you to buy an Apple gift card, Just don't do it. I mean, it's got to be a scam. It's someone who calls you, not you calling them. So don't buy gift cards for anyone. I want to link to an article in The Guardian, which was just yesterday. I felt powerless how a crypto scam cost a finance boss 300,000 pounds. This was an investment manager who handed over his life savings to someone in a crypto scam. Now, I don't want to be that guy, but anyone who thinks they're going to make a fortune from cryptocurrency is opening themselves up for scamming. Okay, that's enough for this week. Until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your host, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review.